Welcome to the Demand Excellence Podcast. I am your host, Coach Jonathan Guest from Eagles Landing Christian Academy. Today on the show, I have Coach Alan Chadwick, the head coach of Marist High School. He is second all-time in career wins in the state of Georgia, and obviously he is number one of current high school football coaches in career wins. 375 career wins, six state championship games, two of which he won, and he was the head football coach of Sean McVay, who is currently the head coach of the LA Rams. With Sean McVay, Maris won the state championship in 2003. So I just wanted to sit down with Coach and ask him how in the world he's won 375 football games, understand his philosophy, his system, what he believes in, how he does it. You're really going to enjoy listening to Coach. Great stories from him. I want to thank our sponsor, Strawn Insurance at strawninsurance.com, S-T-R-A-W-N, strawninsurance.com. You can check them out on their website or check them out on Facebook, raving reviews. They do insurance for all types of things. If you're looking for insurance, please give them a look. Also, check out our website, redeemthegame.com, R-E-D-E-E-M, redeemthegame.com a website for leaders and coaches, just competitive type people, all different types of subject material on there. I think you'll really enjoy it. If you like it, please share it with your friends. Um, but back to the show with Coach. Coach, I really appreciate you being on the show, and I hope everybody enjoys it. You, you've been at Marist since 1985, or you've been the head coach, and it's crazy because uh, I feel like I'm old. I was six when you became the head coach, and, um, and you know, just crazy statistics. Uh, you've won 375 games, and uh, you're second in the state all time, uh, you know, from, as winning coach. And then, you know, of course, as current coaches, you're number one. So I really want to get into your mind on how you did all that, but talk to us a little bit about how you got started in the coaching profession. Was it something you always wanted to do or tell us about it? Well, no, there's no question. It's uh, athletics and sports and being involved on teams and playing teams and, and, and playing ball was the one thing I did better than anything else. And, uh, wasn't a great student, but, uh, you know, I had some success out on the field and, and uh, kind of always, uh, you know, matriculated to that. Um, I was fortunate that we had real good coaches in my younger days in high school. Uh, one coach in particular, Bill Haycock, was my JV football coach, and uh, he really kind of gave confidence in me and had a trust in me and kind of gave me a little bit of free reign and and um, we had a pretty good group that year and won, won every game and uh, had great success. So that's kind of where the fire got started for me because I, I, I considered myself a better baseball player when I was a young kid uh, than I was in football. Uh, I was kind of skinny, you know, and didn't take the pounding and the hits very well. Uh, but I had three older brothers that played, so I didn't have any choice but to stick it out and try to 
muddle through. And, uh, of course, then when you got a coach that was confident in you and trusted you, you know, it just kind of helps, you know, feed the fire for me. And, um, and then also at my, in my high school years, my junior senior year, we had real good coaches and, uh, and of course having two older brothers that went on to play college football. So I just kind of, uh, gravitated towards that and stuck with it. Coming out of college, um, I mean, did you go straight into high school football coaching? Did you go straight to Marist? Because, because, I mean, you can. Well, yeah, that's an interesting story. Yeah, that's. Uh, I was at East Tennessee. I uh, started at Georgia and played two years up there. Played freshman ball and then had a redshirt year, and then transferred to East Tennessee State. Uh, one of my former high school coaches was up there, or actually, my former head coach was up there at East Tennessee. He was a defensive coordinator. And he had played ball down here at Georgia Tech and went to school at Old O'Keefe High School right there on the campus at Georgia Tech. And um, so I got hooked on up there and got drafted after my senior year with the Bears and made it all the way up to about the last or second last cut, something like that. And then, you know, driving back from Chicago, you know, back to, back to Johnson City, Tennessee, thinking, what the heck am I going to do? you know, with my life. So I went back and started uh, finishing up my program, my uh, uh, degree, and um, was lucky enough to get on the staff as a graduate assistant that particular fall. And then the next year, had an opportunity to try out with the Redskins. And this was right after uh, Sonny Jurgensen had, had retired. So all they had was Billy Kilmer and Joe Theismann. At that time, Theismann was not a real big uh, commodity. He was a good athlete, uh, certainly, but had only played that one year at, at uh, Notre Dame. So um, uh, I thought I had a good chance. So about a, about a, a month after they signed me, they signed Randy Johnson, who was the first Falcons quarterback, if you remember way back when. Yeah. And uh, and so this was when George uh, George Allen was the coach with the Redskins, and I was kind of disappointed that they signed him because I'd had some good. Uh, camps and preseason camps and things like that. And uh, George was going to keep the veterans over any, any kind of a rookie. So I just went up and showed pretty well and thought I had a shot, but uh, it didn't work out. So when I got cut again, I'm driving back from Washington to, to Tennessee yeah. to figure out what I'm going to do this point in time. So by then I'd start into my graduate program. And I was lucky, once again, I was lucky enough to get on with, as a graduate assistant in East Tennessee. And then that December, this was December of 75. Uh, my dad played in the poker club with uh, Dean Hargis, who was the head coach and athletic director at, at Marist at that time. And one of his coaches had left and taken a college job right at the end of the football season. So he needed somebody to come in and fill in for the rest of the year and help him uh, coach spring ball and uh, teach PE and that kind of thing. So I came down and interviewed, interviewed and got the job and, was here, been here ever since, and that was in started in January of 1976. So I keep telling everybody I got this job through a poker game, and they kind of get a big kick out of that. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there was a Wednesday night poker. It was a Wednesday night poker club with my dad and several other coaches from Marist, and uh, I think Dave Hunter was in that that uh, that club, and Ray Allen and some other guys like that. So uh, that's how I got my start. Well. <laughs> Talk about, okay, so you've had just an amazing run 
And what are some things that you learned starting as a head football coach um, that really shaped who you are philosophically, uh, you know, with what you do there yeah. at Marist? Right. Well, I was a more of a throwing quarterback. I was not a running quarterback coming up through and, you know, played a lot of baseball and was pitcher and shortstop, third base and baseball. So I uh, had a pretty decent arm. And so I, I used that as much as I could. And then when I got here as an assistant under Dean Hargis, um, they've been running the wishbone for about two years. They had picked it up from um, Pepper Rogers when he was at Georgia Tech. And um, so it, it it took me a while to adjust to that. I was always trying to find ways to throw the ball out of the bone and found out it was not easy to do, you know, and uh, kind of trial and error. But Dean turned the offense over to me, and I was able to call plays and, and all that. Uh, but the thing that impressed me the most and an impression that, um, that Coach Hargis had on me was that he was very conservative. He was a very good fundamental coach very good in the kicking game, very sound in all phases of the game. And he wanted to run the football and he felt like that was the best way to be successful. He had been a, a pro eye type coach and some other system, other systems offensively, but had not had the success until he started getting in the, in the bone and running the option. So that's what we did. And I spent nine years as an assistant under him and come to understand that that was the best thing that we needed to do here at Marist with the athletes who we have, with the type players we had, and the fact that we played good defense, had good kicking game, and would run the ball well, enabled us to win a lot of football games in those eight or nine years. So that's I really attribute a lot of our success here at Marist to you know the the basic fundamentals that Coach Hargis instilled in us. Uh, the love of running the game, the running ball and, and the running game and, and being sound in those other areas and in that way using that to be successful. Um, we have adapted our offense a good bit uh, in the last five or six years. We've gone to more spread, shotgun stuff, uh, done some things out of that to try to utilize uh, some better athletes, better skill position players and quarterbacks that throw the ball uh, in some years. So uh, we've adapted a lot and um, been very successful with it. And uh, But our base is, is under center, four-point stance, come off the ball, get good knock. When coaches call me from around the state, they've watched our tape, they've watched our films, they say, Coach, you, do, you guys do such a great job of coming off the ball and uh, getting after people and getting good knock and push at the line of scrimmage. And that's one of the things we, we try to pride ourselves on. Um, and I would say the other thing that I was very fortunate to have along with Coach Hargis was other assistant coaches who were very, very, very good teachers and mentors. Uh, Bud Murray was a longtime coach for us, was our running back coach. He was also a wrestling coach, won multiple state championships in wrestling. Uh, the kids really gravitated to him because he was such a great personality. Pete Weinberg was a defensive coordinator for us when we won our first state championship in 89. Uh, Ed Letts was a good secondary coach. Uh, Steve Franks came on board uh, for a number of years. Um, Jerry Queen was a longtime, uh, very successful baseball coach here in the state of Georgia, uh, won about seven baseball championships. He was an offensive line coach. Uh, guys that just knew the game, knew how to motivate young men, and uh, taught me a work ethic and a, and a, and a thoroughness that, you know, I'm really – 
thankful that I was able to be around them. Um, so, <clears throat> Coach, and, and you're right. When you watch your team and, you know, I've been watching, uh, you, you know, you guys for a while and um, there's, you're so well coached. And it's not, like, it's not like we can't figure you out and you don't know what you're going to do. You just don't – I mean – it's not that you know what play you're going to run, but you, we know what your system is and what your philosophy is. But it's the, to me, it's just the coaching and the execution and the the willingness not to make a mistake and, and to do everything right. Um, do you right. obviously right. is that kind of who you are? Well, we um, yeah, we we spend a lot of attention to detail, uh, and we spend a lot of time on fundamentals. And I, I tell all my coaches on my levels. And I want you working fundamentals every single day. You know, you take that 10 or 15 minutes and get in, break down into individual groups, and you work on steps, you work on stances, starts, the fundamentals of blocking and tackling and, and, and getting your pad level low and things like that, coming out low underneath the, the sleds and the chutes, uh, that type of thing. Quarterback, fullbacks, riding the mesh, the reeds every single day, working on eye placement and ball placement and proper uh, mesh with the fullback, those type things. We're, we're still doing the same basic practice plan that Coach Hargis had used way back when in the 60s and the 70s. And we've not changed that very much. We still do it basically the same way. 10 minutes fundamentals, 10 minutes group, then come the team and then switch over to the other side and repeat that process. 10 minutes fundamentals on the other side of the ball, 10 minutes a group, 10 minutes a team and then working in kicking game situations and then finishing up with team time at the end. So it's, it's been a good system that's worked well for us. Our kids understand what we're doing. They, we don't bounce around from one thing to another. We kind of have a, a plan, a system, a routine that they're used to and understand. Yeah, Coach, talk about that a little bit because kind of like the new age thinking is, is like you need to change up practice. It needs to be fun. It needs to be this. It needs to be that. And I'm the opposite, like – Practice is not going to be fun. You know, Friday nights is fun, but you got to pay the price. You got to do the work. And I like my players and my coaches to know this is what we do on Monday. This is what we do on Tuesday. This is what we do on Wednesday. I do not like to change the practice schedule up. And, and t talk a little bit about that. I, I'm, I'm the same exact way. Uh, we're going to have a, a little bit shorter practice uh, during the season on a Monday. Um, shorted down by about 15 to 20 minutes, you know. Uh, we only go through two periods each side of the ball. Uh, run our kicking game and then have an option period and then team time at the end. Uh, and then that's our Mondays is punt day. We do punt coverage, punt return on Mondays. Kids know that. Our kickers know that. They don't need to ask me what, what we're doing that particular day to get ready for. Uh, Tuesday's is kickoff day, so we incorporate that into our, our practice schedule. And then Wednesday is extra point field goal day. Uh, so they know that and they understand that. And I'm the same way you are. I mean, if we miss a, a day of doing that routine, I, I get all out of sorts and I get very angry and upset and discombobulated and, and uh, because I feel like we're getting behind. And I, I'm very much schedule-oriented and time-oriented, uh, and, and I feel like that's important for the kids. Um, I get a little frustrated sometimes that they don't move around from one thing to the other as quick as I'd like. And Sometimes coaches don't get into the drill as quick as I'd like, but uh, I've been very fortunate to have the best coaches you can possibly have at the high school level, and uh, they do a great job. But, you know, 
there again, sometimes they want to talk too much instead of getting in there and get more reps. I'm all about trying to get as many reps as we possibly can. Absolutely. So, you know, what does a Monday look like for you exactly? I mean, you mentioned it a few times how you practice, you structure your practice, but how do you uh, structure your Monday practice and, and go into Tuesday and Wednesday, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, well, we're going to meet with our uh, offensive line. Coach Perez is going to meet with our offensive line every day after school for about 30 minutes. And they're going to either do some film or board work or, or look at the scouting report, you know, or make a presentation on the, on the opponent that we're playing that week. We've always watched them with our players on Sunday to watch the previous week's game on Sundays. We try to get that out of the way and, and move on to the opponent on Monday. So right after school, he's meeting with the offensive line, and then Coach Jeff Hewitt, our defense coordinator, grabs the, all the secondary linebackers, D-linemen, and goes does a presentation of that week's opponent for about 30 minutes as well. So it's two groups going at the same time. Uh, there's a little bit of overlap where some of those guys are playing in multiple positions, but, you know, they, they take, they go to the period or the group that they need the most um, information from. Generally, right. it's probably defense. So as we go out, we'll have 10 minutes of pre-practice. That's kind of kids getting their shoes on, kickers kicking, punters punting, uh, quarterbacks getting their arm loose, receivers doing ball drills, linemen down under the, under the cage or, or working on bags or something like that. Kind of a little bit of a half-speed type thing, three-quarter speed, not going full speed, just helping to get loose, but getting extra work on some things that they need work on. And, of course, it's time for coaches are kind of straggling out from class, and I've got a lot of community coaches, so sometimes they're, they're coming out a little bit late. So we try to structure that pre-practice where at least they're – they're doing something. They're right. stretching, they're getting loose, they're handling the ball, they're kicking, they're doing whatever they need to do to kind of help uh, progress us into the, to the workout. And then we'll blow the whistle and go into stretching uh, for 15 minutes. Um, and then we run a, a bone period. What we do after every single stretching period, we'll have 10 minutes of bone where it's just completely option and maybe mixing in a couple of play action passes in that period. And on one day, we'll go 10 minutes to the right We'll work from the hash, from the boundary to the middle, to the far hash. Uh, and then we'll, uh, the next day, we'll switch it over and go to the left. And uh, every day we change right, left, right, left, all the way through the week. So after our bone, we give, uh, then we go into our kicking games that day, which on Mondays is punt coverage, punt return. Uh, looking at the, the fronts, the alignments that the opposing team has, how we're going to line up, how we're going to pressure that punt. Uh, and then the same thing as far as their protection, our protection, and working on the different rushes and pressures that we're going to see. And um, then we give them a break. Uh, and then we come back with defense, 30 minutes on defense, 10 minutes to fundamentals, 10 minutes a group, 10 minutes a team. And it changes daily just depending on what they feel like they need. Uh, the fundamental time is like on Monday is usually probably tackling. And then on uh, the, the second period is um, probably group scale. We'll probably go into a scale session uh, with the secondary and linebackers working on routes and coverages that we're going to be implementing that week. Uh, and then another break at that point, and then they turn over and go to offense, 10 minutes of fundamentals, 10 minutes of, deep, uh, of, of group, uh, and then a team time after that. So, mixing in about three breaks through the practice. And then we transition over into Tuesday. It's our kicking day. 
Again, we go stretching. We'll go um, our bone period, going to the opposite way. We didn't go the day before. And then our kicking game, which is uh, kickoff coverage and return. And then we add another 10-minute period, 10 minutes fundamentals, 10-minute group, 10-minute team on defense. They switch over, go 10-minute offense uh, of fundamental, 10-minute group, 10-minute team, and then finish with some team time at the end. And at the end, our team time, our defense usually wants about seven, eight plays of uh, recognition right there. And then our offense finishes with generally uh, – uh, it might be a, an inside run day. Uh, Tuesday might be a little bit more of a heavy contact day, so we'll probably do a little bit more inside run during that last team time. And then on Wednesday, that last team time, we'll probably go into a little bit more pass uh, protection pickups, uh, throwing from behind the line of scrimmage, those type of things. Uh, so Tuesday and Wednesday practice are essentially the same. And... Um, and Thursday, of course, is just kind of a walkthrough, you know, just running plays and defense just, just does alignments is all they do on defense uh, for that day. They don't rip anything. They just show sets, formations, tendencies, things like that in a walkthrough. And, but we're running plays offensively. We do our, our bone after stretching again and then finish up with uh, our, our team time where we're kind of incorporating everything that we do. It might be a two-minute drill. It might be an inside run. It might be a – pass protection pickup, throwing behind line of scrimmage, that type of thing. So it's a full week, <laughs> as you well yeah. know. How do you and your coaches uh, kind of break down film on the weekends, and when do you meet? How do you handle that? We'll do the, um, we, we've gotten away from meeting as a staff with the, com the computers and everybody having access to it and looking at it. So everybody's kind of looking at it on their own. And then we get together on Sunday and meet before we meet with the, the players. We'll meet as a staff and then break up and meet individually as an offensive or defensive staff and then bring the kids in and show them the tape. So, uh, so that we're all kind of on the same page. That's my biggest concern with everybody looking at it their, at, at their own pace is that, you know, they're not looking at it together and comparing what everybody's seeing and not seeing, but, uh, you got to trust your coaches that they're, they're doing their homework and they're getting things covered and making the corrections. And, and I'm fortunate enough to have coaches that have been in it long enough and doing it long enough that they know exactly what they need to do and, and how to correct things and, and, and make sure things are getting covered. Um, so our defensive staff, you know, a lot of people use a computer to do all the breakdowns. We do input it and kick out tendencies, formations, and tendencies a little bit, but Coach Ewart generally charts two to, two to three ball games on the board and putting up the formations. I mean, he's got three boards down there that he just uses and puts up different formations and then puts a hit chart of plays that they'll run out of that formation. And it's, it's a low, long, slow process for him but he feels like he learns it better that way. He's learning it as he's doing it. Uh, and you know, more so than just look at it on a, on a computer screen, typing it in and waiting for a printout. So this way he's got it and he can sit there and look at it all the way through the week. He can compare the different formations and the hit charts and the play charts that are coming uh, at them. And uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, but he, he puts the time in and does a great job with that. Um, 
generally speaking, on um, Mondays after practice, we try to get that little bit shorter practice, give the, get the kids out of there. Uh, defensively, he'll look at tape. He'll bring them in after film, after practice and look at maybe 15 minutes of tape. Just uh, try to look at one or two series of plays of the opponent. And then we all break and go to dinner and come back and go to work. And uh, offensive staff in one room and defensive staff in another room, just, you know, hammering it out until you get it down. And uh, uh, they, you know, defense, of course, takes a little bit longer. Uh, offense is what it is. We're going to run what we run. We just got to be able to know what you're going to line up in, you know, and, and how we want to attack different alignments. So it's not, but it's not like we're changing our, our offense, you know, we're just adapting our offense to what you do. Defensively, we run a lot of different defenses. I mean, we'll be a 4-3, a 4-4, a 50 front, you know, a 3-3 a little bit. I mean, we're going to do it all. So it takes them a little bit more time to go through the X's and O's and specific plays and how they want to line up to the different formations and potential plays coming from those formations. So that's a lot of times I'll leave here at 11 o'clock on a Monday night and they're still in there hammering away. And, uh, but I'm old and I need my sleep. So they, they just keep hammering and I've got to go and get some rest. But, uh, I'm really thankful on how, how hard they work and how much time they put into it. Really Ab- absolutely. Well, coach, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at your, um, I guess the history of your coaching career. And so, I mean, you became a head coach in 1985, uh, but, you, you, you know, within two years, uh, your third season, you're in the championship game. And then in 1989, yeah. you win the championship. So, so you really have never really uh, not had success. Uh, I think the worst you've ever done is a 7-4 and four record. But just talk about that a little bit. Like five years into being a head coach, you win the championship, but you went your third year. Um, just talk about as at the beginning of your career a little bit and all the success you sure, had. Sure. Well, like I said, I, a lot of what we learned, what I learned was from Coach Argus in the early days with him and practice set up and philosophy of running the football and being sound the kicking game, those type of things. So we've just kind of continued that on. Uh, as a matter of fact, this particular year is the 30-year anniversary of the 1989 state championship game. So we're going to have a uh, that group uh, coming back for a reunion, uh, homecoming night, and we're looking forward to having those guys back because that was a really, really special group. The 87, we played for the state championship down at Worth County in 87. We got beat pretty good by them. And so we went back in 89. Uh, Miller was the coach at that time. And um, I think they kind of overlooked us a little bit. They kind of felt like they were the top dog. And, you know, here comes Lowly Nash again. You know, we're going to push through them like we did last time, but it was a whole different group that we had. Uh, that was the meanest, toughest, most physical defensive group we've ever had. And we had seven shutouts that year on defense. Wow. And uh, that's, that's, that's what got us to that point all the way through the season. We, we knew we were going to hold people kind of close. And if we just find a way to scratch out a couple of scores, we didn't throw the ball very well that year at all. As a matter of fact, in the state championship game, we did not throw a single pass. <laughs> I mean, we we ran it 67 times and didn't throw a single pass. Um, but uh, we were optimistic on offense. We were really good on defense. I mean, we could uh, get tackles for losses, cost fumbles, tip passes, interceptions, block punts. Uh, Boyd Andrews, I'll never forget, a defensive tackle force. 
broke through on on punt safe and broke through and punted, uh, blocked one of their punts, and that set up a touchdown for us. So that was a huge, huge momentum swing for us in that ballgame. Um, but, um, you know, the tradition, the history that we have, the type of kids that we have, um, our kids will give us everything they got. And that's all we ever tell them we're going to ask for is all they've got. And uh, they dedicate themselves well. You know, there's a there's a sense of uh, responsibility when you're in a program that's successful for a number of years that we've been, uh, that, that's expected that they're going to be successful, that they're going to put in the work, they're going to dedicate themselves, they're going to work in the offseason to get bigger and stronger. Uh, they're going to run their sprint hard, you know. They're going to play hard, play physical. Uh, but each group is different, and as coaches, you got to pull out different aspects of them which might not be as strong as the previous year. And uh, that's why good coaches and a great staff are hard to come by, and, and a head coach has got to depend on those guys so much. And they help me read the team in terms of our, our mental uh, capacities, our focus, our intensity in practice, our toughness in practice. You know, they'll come to me and say, Coach, we're not we're not being physical enough in practice. We gotta we gotta tee it up and go after it here for a couple of days and get back to fundamentals, you know, that type of thing. Uh, I, and one thing I've noticed as I've gotten older older is I get a little bit more concerned and cautious about kids getting injured, you know, and and of course our depth is not great, particularly this year and we we need to try to stay away from injuries and I hope that we're gonna be physical enough and tough enough to, to run the gauntlet because uh, because we've had to, to back up a little bit this, this preseason with the heat and the lack of numbers and the lack of depth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's always my goal at all year long. Do not get anybody hurt in practice. But it's hard to balance that. And you can talk about this a little bit because it's always just a struggle for me. Don't know if I have it figured out. Like, you want to be physical, but – you can't get your best players hurt, you know, and you might have a different philosophy, but uh, how do you handle that? I think that's something that it's, it's kind of ingrained in them on a day-to-day basis. You can't just turn the switch on and off and do that. And I think like you said, having that same practice routine, that same practice schedule, that basically that same mentality of what you want to get accomplished day in and day out. I think that's important. And the kids get used to that and their bodies get used to that. I mean, they're young and they recover so much faster than we do as adults, you know, when something goes wrong. Um, And so having them in shape, being in condition, being strong, and then working on being physical on a regular basis, I think is important. And balancing that is tough because Long towards Wednesday, every week, I'm really starting to back off and quick whistle, you know, and not take people to the ground as much, those type things. Of course, I think the rules have changed, too, that we've had to adapt to those in terms of how much full-out contact you're doing. And um, uh, that it, was, it took us a while to adapt to those new rules because we were pretty much full go all the time. And when I look back and think about how, how much we hit and how physical we were, it's unbelievable that we survived through those tough times. We were talking about kickoff the other day. Up to about five years ago, we were going full speed kickoffs, and we do like ten or twelve of them on a day yeah. on our kickoff day. 
live to the ground, you know, yeah. full speed blocking. And I went, that's not physical enough. Go back, do it again. No, go back, do it again. That kind of, we don't do that anymore. Just don't do it. You know, we just uh, kind of set people up and position block and hope they get it. You know, it, it's changed. The game has changed. And uh, we've had to adapt a little bit with it as well. The, uh, you know, you talk about the heat. You know, I was talking to somebody today and, you know, people are like, I don't, you know, I don't ever remember it being this hot before. And, you know, and then you get the people who believe in glo- global warming talking about. But I'm sitting here like I remember playing college football at the Citadel. And I remember being miserable down there in Charleston, uh, just how hot it was. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you've been a head coach since 1985. I mean, do you remember other yeah. hot periods like this? <laughs> I've got to tell you a funny story. We we used to do three a days in, yeah. in our preseason practice. When we go to camp, uh, we've been to a lot of different camps. We've been up to Banner Elk. We've been to Lee's McRae. We've been to Gardner-Webb. We've been to Presbyterian. We've been to Cumberland College up in Tennessee. Uh, we would do three a days. We'd do our full pad in the morning, full pad in the afternoon, and come back and do short shoulder pads in the evening and just do passing. But we'd have two regular full all-out practices in the in the morning and in the afternoon and then lighten up and just throw the ball in the evenings. And, uh, of course, you can't do three days anymore. So, you know, that's cut down on how much time we've got to work with. But anyway, we're up at Cumberland College one year, and it was like 104, like it was the other day here, 104, 105 degrees, something like that. We got this little kid on the team. He's he's a, a sophomore, and he's kind of a little bit of a clown, you know, that type of thing. He, uh, he says, Coach, did you hear that they suspended practice down in Georgia because of the heat? And I said, Richie. We're not in Georgia. We're in Tennessee, you know. So we just kept practicing for the next couple of days. So a couple of days, couple of days later, it stays that hot. And he comes up and says, Coach, did you hear on the radio? They suspended practice in Tennessee. I said, Richie, we're not from Tennessee. We're from Georgia. <laughs> we kept practicing. We kept practicing. <laughs> so he just kind of walked away. He, he couldn't win. <laughs> so that's an example of like we just kept going and I had a trainer that was about ready to kill me because we were out there practicing and you know and all that but now the, the, the rules are very clear and you gotta abide by them and uh, you know you gotta do what you do and like I said the other day we were out in the heat and uh, trainer said okay that's it we've been out there an hour and we've been right at the limit and you gotta suspend practice so we did and we went inside and gym and just did a little walk through and you know again that threw me off my schedule and you know, made me angry and hard to live live with that, that particular day. But um, we survive. We move on. I've learned to adapt better to those type things than I used to. I know that. Uh, you know, one of the most frustrating things is the, is the um, uh, electrical storms, you know, lightning, you know. Yes, yes. Good golly, because those things last forever, and you keep waiting and waiting and waiting. You don't have a gym available because you got volleyball and you got cheerleading, you got everything else going on everywhere, and you don't have any place to go, and uh, you don't know if you're going to get back out or not, and you got to adapt to practice to at least get something done. But you know, the, you know, the lightning scares me more than the heat with our kids, particularly. I think you know, if you get a kid that is hurting. You can see that, and you can do things to, to monitor the heat. You can take their helmets off when they're being, you know, in a teaching period. 
You can give multiple breaks. You can move water around. You can combat that to some extent. But when that lightning starts popping, you know, that's there's nothing to do about that. It's time to head for the hills. You're right, but here's what annoys me. Here's what here's what annoys me with the lightning. This happened to us, I guess, probably a week and a half ago. We were um, on the field, all right, and a storm comes through. So it's and so we go inside, but it's just going to be one of those things that's in and out. So we go inside, and we're waiting. All right, well then the sun comes out, the storm's gone, and so um, I go, I go, I walk out to the field, talk to our trainer, and um, and and so it's sunny. It is sunny at this point. She's like. Up, oh, just pop within eight miles. You have thirty more minutes, right. and the sun's yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Said, right. yeah. Stephanie, I'm sitting here getting a sunburn and skin cancer yeah. off of a <laughs> lightning delay. <laughs> like it doesn't yeah. make any sense exactly. sometimes. I know, I know. It's it's all this modern technology is is put a lot of restrictions on us, but in the long run, they're good restrictions. I don't know if you saw the uh, the uh, student. In South Atlanta, somewhere that uh, yeah, it was like Clayton County. Running, Clayton County passed away running stadium steps. So uh, hopefully that's you know you hate for that to happen, but you hopefully it's not somebody's negligence when that happens. It's more of a you know, probably a heart defect or something of that sort. You know, uh, you just hope that nobody's at fault for that. Um, Absolutely, that that worries you. But like I said, the lightning worries me because, you know, it just takes one good pop. And uh, I think you can avoid the heat things to a certain degree. You know, what's what's strange is we got all these heat restrictions for practice. But on Friday night, sometimes it's just as hot at 7 o'clock, 7.30, you know, and they don't really have any restrictions for good games other than maybe give you an extra time out here and there, you know. They don't have the the wet bulb readings and all that kind of stuff during, during the game. I know. Well, um, Coach, I guess the last question I have for you, and I'm sure you've been asked this a thousand times since he went to the uh, uh, the Super Bowl, but, you know, you got to coach. Uh, oh, yeah. You got to – you were the head coach of the head coach of the of the Rams. <laughs> what was he right, like right. As, uh, as a player? Yeah. Well, he was special. He was special in a lot of ways. He was, his athleticism, his quickness, and his explosion and speed – was phenomenal. He he played a lot of youth soccer. Didn't play a lot of youth football. Matter of fact, didn't play on the seventh grade football team uh, team here, and started playing in the eighth grade. And uh, but you could tell he had an uncanny feel for the game. Uh, his his granddad was um, the general manager of the 49ers when Montana and Rice and those guys were out there. And he had been a head coach for the Giants for a few years up in New York. So, uh, and, and college coaching and all that kind of stuff. So he had been around it. And his dad, uh, Sean's dad, had played uh, college football. And uh, so he was he was raised in a football family. Grew up going to 49er practices and throwing with Jerry Rice and that kind of stuff. Uh, so. Uh, he just had a real good feel and a knowledge of the game. Uh, but like I said, his explosiveness and his quickness was just unbelievable. And we were primarily under center that particular year. But looking at some of those highlights when when the Super Bowl was happening and all these people were coming, all the media people were coming by here, uh, we saw a good bit of tape where he was in the shotgun, running a lot of downhill type stuff out of the shotgun and uh, doing a good job with it. 
Um, but he's he's taking it to a whole another level. One of the interviewers that was here by school from Los Angeles um, asked me, she says, uh, Coach, does Sean still call and get advice and information from you or anything like that? And I reached out and I grabbed her on the forum. I said, honey, that's a bad question. And this is on TV. And everybody kind of laughed and chuckled with that. They kind of really threw a curveball at her. And uh, I had to say, well, no, he's, we're getting information from him nowadays. As a matter of fact, my offense coordinator and defensive coordinator have both been out several times to speak with him and his staff and get some things, particularly on our uh, pass protection. We've simplified a lot of our pass protections based on some information we got from Sean, and uh, it's really helped us a, great, a good bit. And uh, defensively, of course, he just keeps coming up with more wrinkles and things like this on defense uh, that we've been able to pick up with. So uh, he's got a great mind. He's a great young man. I'm just extremely proud of him. I mean, I, I'll be sitting somewhere having dinner at the counter or something like that. And, of course, they've got the TV on up there. And a picture of him comes on or the Rams come on or something like that. And I'll poke poke the guy, the stranger next to me in the, in the rib and say, hey, I coached that guy in high school. And he'll say, <laughs> yeah, sure, right, buddy. You know, that guy. <laughs> but uh, take a lot of pride in it, you know. And, Absolutely. Uh, just really happy for him. So excited for him. And it's disappointed that it, they didn't pull that thing off, you know. They were so close. But um, but uh, hopefully he'll be back there again someday. So. Absolutely. Well, Coach, it was a pleasure. I appreciate you talking with me. And I know it will be very valuable information for all the different coaches that listen to this. And um, I always end praying, uh, if, if you don't mind. That would be fine. I'd love to. Yes. Okay. Lord, we come before you today. I just want to praise and thank you for loving us. I praise and thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. Lord, I praise and thank you for Coach Chadwick, uh, Lord, who's such a great ambassador for the game, such a great head coach, such a great man. Uh, Lord, somebody that we all can learn from. I think every, probably every coach in this state has tried to figure out what he's doing there, Lord. And he does it with class. And I just pray you continue to bless him and uh, his football team, keep them safe and uh, Lord, I just pray you uh, be with Coach and his coaching staff. They will continue to lead and pray for all the other coaches out there, Lord, that we're all starting our scrimmages and our first games are coming up. Lord, just keep us safe in this heat and keep us healthy, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I appreciate it, Coach. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate it. I, uh, I'm flattered that you would have me on. And uh, if I could ever do anything for you, let me know. Yes, sir. Right, sir.